2 has entered the podcast. Welcome, welcome back, people, to Player 2 has entered the podcast, that show about gaming news and backlogs. We're back this week with another backlog, part two of Outriders, in fact. I am your host, Michael, a.k.a. MC Paperstacks, and I have a guest with me. My Player 2 for today is that Tim Dude, gamer friend extraordinaire. Hi, hi. Thank you for having me. I'm actually really happy that you came on. We've been playing out. Actually, Outriders was your suggestion for the backlog. And we've been really getting it in. And I think that we're probably going to finish it in the next two weeks. How does that feel? Yeah, yeah. I think we're right, right on there finishing the game. Uh, We're very close at the moment. And I'm very happy about it. It's It's been one of those games that I really enjoyed at launch and then just never got around to finishing. So. That's exactly what the backlog is for. What I'm hoping to accomplish with this show and the concept, you know, in our Discord is just encouraging people to gather support to help them finish the games they couldn't normally finish that they know they always want to get back to. It's gnawing at your mind. This was helpful because obviously this game plays better if you have friends. Yes. There will be some single player games that we'll all play separately and talk about. Hopefully there'll be, you know, a mix of this and that. But uh, together, united, we will encourage each other like a book club. We will encourage each other to finish these games, I hope. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of games, you know, we talk other games on this particular show as well. And I know that you've played a few recently that you want to talk about. So please, my good friend, Tim, take it away. What you been getting into lately? Oh, man, I've been getting into a lot of things. I guess uh, one thing I've been playing a lot mostly at work is Vampire Survivors. It's a roguelike shoot-em-up. And it's it's been a whole lot of fun. We released uh, in early access in December of last year, and it finally got like a full PC release uh, on October. I got it probably a week or two after it came out. A friend recommended it to me, and I got to say, it, it's it's one of those games that's really easy to kind of let go, and it'll kind of play itself, you know, and you can do some other things, then go look back at it. and um. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. And I actually just saw that it came out on Game Pass and Xbox today. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's on PC or it had been on PC Game Pass for a while. And now it's on. Was it today that it launched? I I know I recently talked about it. I can't remember the date. That's what I saw on my Google search. Yeah, today. Super happy about that. I had been watching it myself. It looks bananas but like a lot of fun like one of those games that just kind of dances with your brain because all the shit that's going on on the screen oh yeah it starts out slow um i guess i could give a quick rundown out of it it's a it's like a roguelike and you get to pick a uh, vampire survivor some character who starts with uh, a weapon of some sort they're all every character's got their own unique weapon they start with and uh as you go along and kill enemies you get experience and every level you get you get a perk the perks are either like a support perk, so like something that'll like make your health regen faster or you get more experience or you'll get different weapons to add on to your current weapon. So you might start with a magic wand that shoots beams of light every so often and then you level up and then you get a piece of garlic that you get to wear around you that just deals a area effect damage. Mm. It's 15 to 30 minutes long per little map stage and it's a it's a quick little play here or there it's roguelike in the way that you get gold every level and then use that to power up your character so the next time you play you're a little stronger get a little get better power ups yeah 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 no it definitely strikes me as the type of game that you can hop in and out of very easily 
And that would translate to, you know, kind of a relaxing time, even though it looks very intense. Like it looks like oh, it would yeah. be a Zen type game. You know what I mean? It's you get you can get very lost in it. And it's uh <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's a bunch of bright flashing colors and I like that too. That's awesome, man. I'm I'm super keen on playing that. I'll probably be talking about that on the next backlog episode. I'm so excited. I was going to play it on PC, but then I heard rumors it was coming to console and I thought I'd hold off because I prefer to play on console. It's, my setup is just better. You know what I mean? Like on PC, I have an uncomfortable chair. I need to fix that. <laughs> and, you know, and I can see it playing really well with the controller too. It uses basically just a WASD to move around and that's it. You don't aim. You don't mm. click anything. The attacks that you get, you know, so you say you pick up a knife, throwing knives. It's mm. going to be those only shoot out in front of you. Or if you pick yeah. up a whip, it's going to attack things front and back of you. So certain things have certain directional attacks, but you can really only move your character. You really have no other input other than that. Kind of sounds like a shmup, you know, like a ship getting a bunch of auto guns and stuff and you navigating like a sea of bullet hell. That kinda, that's yeah, kinda it's kind of like. like a it's kind of like the opposite of a bullet hell, you know, like you're the. You are the, the bullet, bullet hell. hell. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. What, what else are you making it into? I just played another round of Elden Ring. Hell yeah. And this is this is after playing a little bit of Bloodborne and seeing the differences, the comparisons, uh, what they drew from Bloodborne to make into Elden Ring, stuff like that. You know, I, I'm just a big fan of the FromSoft games, so... Oh, I know. You're probably always going to be catching me playing one of those. Yeah, longtime listeners of the show, whenever I mentioned my friend or my friend Tim and how we argue about from software games, this is the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, Elden Ring made me, it evangelized me. It made me a believer. I love that game so much. It's definitely one of my top games of the year. And I've been kind of curious about potentially going back. Knowing that I've been burned before, but maybe just taking some of the things I've learned in Elden Ring and some of the things that have been, uh, I don't know, demystified and just giving it another like good solid try. I mean, like you said, you've been looking at comparisons and things learned. Uh, you glean any insightful uh, facts that you want to share? You know, there, there's a lot of things that I realized that Elden Ring kind of took from Bloodborne. There's there's a lot of skills that are in the game. I, I don't know if you're you remember the bloodhound step. It's a very popular skill in Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just one that kind of makes you do a sidestep dodge. Yeah, it kind of helps you get through those stupid ass lava and poison dungeons. Oh, yeah. The, the big chariots. Oh, oh yes. God, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great for those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bloodborne is almost exclusively quick stepping. That's you don't roll to dodge, you quick step. And it's it's mm. pretty fast paced. Um, and I think uh, a lot of the Bloodborne bosses... Uh, especially at the later game, kind of remind me of how fast-paced Elden Ring is compared to, say, Dark Souls. I mean, even before Elden Ring, you could see that it rewarded more aggressive players versus Dark Souls, where it feels kind of like you're almost encouraged to turtle up, so to speak. Well, and I think Dark Souls is is more of a my turn, your turn type of sort of fighting you know you mm. you let the boss take his turn you get your roll and then you get your attack and then you know you let the boss take his turn where in elden ring and bloodborne it feels a lot more free-flowing than that to me especially yeah. with bloodborne's rally system when you lose health in bloodborne and you uh attack something if you do it quick enough you will you can regain a good set amount of that health mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um 
which they didn't bring back in Elden Ring, but it did encourage the more aggressive, more quick playing style that the Dark Souls series didn't really have. Yeah. I think the other thing that really helped me with Elden Ring, there were just so many different directions I could go. So if I did run up against, you know, this, if I go this way and these other seven ways, I'm going to get rocked. But if I go one of these two ways, I can actually make a little progress. It, it always kind of felt like that. And then eventually I got strong enough to where I just felt more confident to go into deeper areas. And then slowly over time, you know, as you do when you play games, I just learned, you know what I mean? I just yeah. learned mm-hmm. that rhythm that, that, I mean, like you said, they don't trade blows as much in Elden Rings, but there is a rhythm. Yeah, and, yeah, there definitely is. Yeah, and and you get it. But with Dark Souls, I just felt like I was constantly uh, Dark Souls, Sekiro, and Bloodborne. Actually, I felt crushed before I could get my rhythm, and it just mm-hmm. it, my frustration kind of edged out to where I w- I couldn't continue. I yeah. played, I probably played Dark Souls the most. I went maybe fifteen hours into that, and just finally was like, oh, this is hard. <laughs> I I think Bloodborne might be even the hardest one as as far as difficulty goes in the first stages. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Old Yarnum, where you first start out, is hard. It's pretty brutal. You've got, yeah. You are you far between between points of resting, and I think to count like the guys in between the first rest point and the second one that you get, I mean, there's probably nearly sixty individual guys. I mean, you start out fighting one guy. And that evolves into three guys, which evolves into like nearly 10 all mm-hmm. in one area. I mean, and it's just that quick. It's all just one down one road. And it really, I mean, you you get the the sense of the, oh, well, I guess I'm in for it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, maybe I'll go back. If I ever do, you'll be one of the first people to know. I'll let you oh, know yeah. Well, went. you know, you could always summon me for help. <laughs> maybe i'll do that as well all right anything else i've been playing spider heck yeah it's a couch co-op uh real fast-paced brawler type game um mm. it's on game pass released in september and it's it's been a lot of fun me and me and a couple of friends have been playing it on my couch you're robot spiders who fight each other with weapons like laser swords and laser guns and rocket launchers. Yeah, the concept like reminds me a little bit like Fight Crab. It's just it's a different plane. This one's more 2D, right? Yeah, it's it's entirely 2D and it's stage based. So you're going from stage to stage, you know, whoever hmm. the last one's standing. It, it is quick paced to you. You're going from stage to stage. I mean, it could be in a matter of seconds. You know, it depends on how many people it go down quick enough. You know, I mean. If you kill everyone else in two seconds, that's as long as the stage is going to take. And it's it's pretty fun. Uh, it titles itself as physics based, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know what that means anymore. It can mean different things to different people. Fight Crab to me felt a little bit like Quop because the controls were very crab like and you controlled the pincers independently of moving the crab side to side. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there were even like ways to jut out you know your weapons or like shoot a gun if you're holding a gun i mean do you find that the control scheme is gimmicky and kind of floppy like that or how would you describe it you know it's kind of quick to grasp you have a movement that moves your spider along the walls you have a jump button that you can use again in the air to shoot out a web 
Hmm. And so you can swing with that or you can ride the web straight up to the ceiling if you need to or shoot the web down and ride it down to the floor where, you know, wherever you need to. Yeah. Like zip straight to the ground. That's cool. Right. And then and then you've got a pick a button and a throw button Mm -hmm. that are the same. And then your other joystick that you're not using to move is aiming. So you can aim in a full circle around you. Mm hmm. Depending on what angle you're at, you're not always aiming at the floor or something or the ceiling. And it leads to some really, really cool stuff. The lightsaber battles that you can have in the game. I mean, yeah. it, it gets intense. They have, I mean, and they've got like double bladed lightsabers. So you look like Darth Maul flying around. Cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a quick little game. And, and you know, it's I'll probably less than a gig. Yeah. You definitely have me interested sometime, maybe shortly after we finish Outriders, we should get in there and and get some rounds in for sure. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Now, the the last game on your list is a game that I talked about before, and I kind of want to go back. I re-downloaded it to my Xbox recently, but it gave me a bad taste when I first started, and that's Tunic. Uh, What are you thinking about it so far? Like, how far are you? Let's see. I'm going to guess that I'm probably a third of the way through the game if that makes sense to you okay without any spoilers yeah considering the setup in the beginning i get what you mean i think it's all right the gameplay i think is pretty good it's an isometric view so you know i i it you know i can go either way on those types of games Mm -hmm. i like the kind of aspects the metroidvania type aspects of the game where you need upgrades to kind of get to certain places Mm-hmm. That's always cool. Yes, uh, I do like that. And the real unique part of the game is the the manual that you find as you're going around the game. And I like that. I love that. I think that's a super cool idea. It reminds me of the old Legend of Zelda games and their manuals that used to come in the books. You know, you'd go into the game store with my parents as a kid, begging them to buy me a game. And then I'd rip it open in the car ride ride home home. just so I could read the manual. (laughs) Yeah. That ride home from the game store is always reading the manual and just being super geeked and excited. Oh, just stoked. Just waiting to get home. I I like the manual idea in it. I don't always feel like it was executed 100% well because they decide to leave most coherent language out of the instruction in favor of their in-game script. Right. You rely more on visual cues, and some of it comes across okay. Some of it, to me, does not. But my main beef with it in the beginning was just how long you go without proper weapons and how much antagonism they throw at you when you're pursuing getting armed. You know what I mean? Like, there are areas where, like, a monster is so big, you just cannot avoid damage trying to get past them because they're really set up to fight with a sword and shield which you do not have and that kind of I wonder if off. you maybe went to a zone too f- too soon with your stick maybe but i feel like i was exploring well enough i mean it's it's always possible but if that's mm-hmm. the case then i feel like there should have been tighter design in the beginning yeah, to oh, help yeah, kind of yeah. shoehorn me towards where i need to go you know what i mean well i know that you can immediately go to like that town area with the house you know and mm. go straight in there with all those guys but i didn't do that i went to the to the forest first okay cuz if you go to the forest the only thing you're fighting really up until you get the sword is those little slime boys Right, right. Okay. Do you, do you think at this point, just being a third of the way through, that you'll probably finish it? Yeah, eventually I'm going to finish it. Uh, you know, I've been kind of in the middle of playing other things, Outriders. Um, but 
Yeah, you know, I, I I do intend to finish it at some point. It's I'm I'm really liking it. You know, it's it's kind of soulsy, so you know that's that kind of piques my interest a little bit. That's true. Yeah, it's got that rhythm. <laughs> the story itself, you know, isn't super captivating. You know, it's nothing special. I'm not really figured out what's going on entirely, but it, you know, it's yeah, nothing new, nothing crazy. Yeah. Now, I mean, to me, the biggest draw aside from, like you said, the Metroidvania and the kind of Zelda-like gameplay, it's just the aesthetic. I really oh, yeah. love the art style. I love the animation. Oh, and yeah. That could be enough to carry me through a game, right? You know, uh, if it has, you know, decent to mid gameplay just because of its charm. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like the art style. It's very cute. And I think it lends well to the, the isometric viewpoint that you have kind of the the way that the point of view focus kind of shifts from place to place kind of really makes it gives it some more depth yeah no i would agree with that totally totally but yeah those are the games i've been playing cool well the last two weeks i got into a few things i played little hope which is one of the horror games that super massive made the until dawn developers under the dark pictures anthology I guess. Uh, And I've previously played Until Dawn, The Quarry, and Man of Medan. I haven't checked out House of Ashes. I think that's the only other one I haven't played. And uh, I beat Little Hope in a day. I started it in the beginning. It was like in the morning on a Saturday. My six-year-old was with me. We were hanging out. We were talking theories. He was really focused on this bus driver that disappeared in the beginning of the game. And I was really focused on like... I think they just keep living and dying throughout time. Like, we were just, there's all these <laughs> theories. But it's very Twilight Zone in the plot. And, I mean, pretty violent. Like, in the very beginning of the film, you see this entire family get wiped out in a house fire. And they all get killed in various ways. Oh, whoa. Uh, which is not uh, a big spoiler, per se. Because yeah, yeah. a lot of the game kind of jumps off from there. But... I think it's probably my second favorite after Until Dawn. I like it more than Man of Medan and definitely more than The Quarry. The Quarry I didn't find scary. And this, I found it about as scary, maybe slightly, slightly less scary than Man of Medan. But I like the story a lot more. And I like the characters a lot more. Man of Medan I felt like had very weak characters. And so it really just relied on the strength of its scares, which were good, but they weren't enough to really carry it for me. Yeah, if you can relate to a character, that kind of helps bring the tension up. I I would definitely agree with that. Or if if you can relate to how silly or you know ridiculous a yeah. character is, I think they struck a good balance. And I don't know if you ever played Until Dawn, but I feel like they struck a good balance with the kind of reality TV silliness of the characters, but also they were endearing to a point. You know what I mean? And you like to see yeah. them kind of like take jabs at each other or form relationships, that type of thing. I would definitely recommend it. I, th- I Like I said, I think if I were to rank them right now, it goes Until Dawn, Little Hope, Man of Medan, and then The Quarry. And we'll see how House of Ashes stacks up when I get around to playing that. Yeah, I mean, it's probably something I never will play. I, I'm not a fan of horror games. They just... <laughs> ah, man. Some of them just... I Some of them I've played. I, you know, I, I've played some weird ones. I've played the Amnesia games, mm-hmm. which... Those are, I don't know, those used to be kind of scary. Those were... Yeah, no, totally. Scared a lot of people. But, uh, you know, I bounce off of some of the Resident Evil games. Mm -hmm. It it really depends, but 
Well, if if you haven't, I would maybe get some friends together because I know you have get-togethers pretty like fairly often. Yeah. And see if you can get maybe somebody else to drive and play Until Dawn together because it it oh, really okay. is one of those games that's enhanced by having people in the room and you know like making decisions together like should we shoot this person or should we run? Should we hide or <laughs> yeah. should we fight? You know. Okay, yeah. And yeah. I mean just like I said, the the dialogue and the story, the Until Dawn is just like a smorgasbord of horror tropes. It's so fun. And I think they just really came together really well. So if that kicks off and you really enjoy the experience playing with other people, that might get you into these others. Uh, again, I don't think it's a type of game that you need to play by yourself. I really do think you should be playing it socially for sure. Well, and I think that's kind of half the fun of watching a horror movie too is yeah. having people <laughs> around you and – yeah. yeah, seeing how everyone's scared. For sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, I also got into Dynasty Warriors 9 again. I, I play a lot of Warriors games and like brawlers and beat-em-ups. And sure, Dynasty yeah. Warriors 9 took a lot of flack. It was the first Warriors game that went open world. And they just shit the bed, man. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, the worst part about it is even like its backbone, the part that's usually solid, the combat, I find to be monotonous and boring. There's this free flow system, uh, a sequence of four attacks that kind of loop into each other, but they don't really have the same punch as past Warriors games, and mm. they they don't really they're not very flashy or fun. And then you have a, a special button you can press to get access to like flow your attack into something that'll launch or throw like a, a muso or magic attack or knock an enemy down or stun an enemy. But even that doesn't really spice up the combat enough for me, to be honest. And the the acting the, the acting has always been bad, but it's it struck the line between engaging and interesting or so bad it's good, like the earlier games. And it's neither. It's lazy and deadpan. Most of the actors probably got hardly no direction because a lot of them pronounce the same words differently. It, originally in the Warriors games, one of the generals of the Way Kingdom was called Cao Cao. C-A-O-C-A-O. -O. That's actually a mispronunciation of his Chinese name. It's Cao Cao. So from like, I don't know, four or five on, they started pronouncing it correctly. But in this game, you have people pronouncing it both ways, sometimes in the same conversation. It's a little oh, ridiculous. that's tough. Do you think it was a translation issue? Do you think it was a... I think it was just laziness. For some reason, Omega Force... I mean, because the thing is, Koei Tecmo and Omega Force, they get contracted to work on a lot of different... The, the Warriors-fication or the Musofication of other franchises, right? You got Persona, Zelda... Right. You know, um, uh, what was Fire what, Emblem? Yeah, Fire Emblem most recently, and a lot of other animes and stuff. And depending on who's overseeing the project, they put in a decent amount of effort to make a really great game, or they put just the minimum amount they can. And since it's their baby, Dynasty Warriors, they've just been kind of letting it slide. In fact, mm. a lot of the games that they've originated, Samurai Warriors and Warriors Orochi, like their stuff, they've stopped translating into English. I think Dynasty Warriors is the only series they still translate into English. Oh, really? Do, yeah. you, uh, do you ever play with Japanese and then subtitles on? Have you ever tried that? It's tough for this type of game. Like I wanted to definitely, and they even had Chinese, and I was like, maybe I should just put on the Chinese. But the tough oh, yeah. thing about it is with a Warriors game, they're constantly talking even while you're fighting. 
and you want to hear what they're saying, but you can't stop and read while you're there's like a thousand dudes around you trying to kick right. your ass. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, especially for hack and slash games, you know, it's all fast paced and it's all all over the place. You can't. There's no time for reading. <laughs> no time for reading. And I mean, it, there are some games that I got like spinoffs that they did where they wouldn't translate it like the Berserk. They did a Berserk Warriors game. And there's oh. a particular battle where, like, the Skull Knight is talking to you the entire battle. He's just blabbing in your ear the whole time. It was so bad that I actually hit the record button at the end of the battle and rewatched it so I could find out what he was saying to me the entire time. Because I'm oh, over here man. like, yep. <laughs> I hope that they take a lesson from the success of some of the, the games they've done well. And just kind of go back to the drawing board with their own series. I don't know if they will. I mean, there's enough fans, I think, that just buy them no matter what. But I've stopped buying them at launch a long time ago. I, I get them because they drop in price pretty quickly. They also I was going to say 10's been out for a while, right? Yeah, no, ten, uh, no, 9 is. They don't have oh. a 10 yet. Yeah, 9 Empires has been out for a while, too. That's like their oh, know, kind of, okay. yeah, expansion, so to speak. And it's a little better, but not by much. They do a lot of microtransactions too. They cut a lot of the fun weapons from that were signature to the characters for years, like several installments, in favor of regular weapons. And they said it was because of realism. We were all like, you're going to sell them to us later, aren't you? And they sure enough did. You can pay like, I think almost $40 for a pack of all the weapons that should have been included in the game to begin with. Oh, that's an that's, EA level shit right there, dude. Yeah, that's no good. That's no good. I hate that. I hate that, especially for the series classics. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just carving out mainstay content. It's almost as bad as some fighting games have been recently. But uh, it seems like they're they're turning around though, and they've learned their lesson. I, Street Fighter look. Uh, yeah, Street Fighter in particular looks pretty hopeful in that regard because it suffered a slump with uh, carving out content that should have been in the main game for a bit and. They got yeah. Their, they got their nose bloodied a bit, and they decided to stop doing that. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I've never minded it so much with some fighting games. Mortal Kombat's kind of always did it with some form or another. They always like to add Freddy Krueger, somebody like that, into it as a DLC character, and usually I don't mind that. But you know, you got to have the base ones, the ones that people come for the game for. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Hopefully they improve, but I'm gonna I'm in wait and see mode and buy it used because I don't want to give them direct money to encourage like the laziness that they've been putting into their series lately. So yeah, no. uh, it's again as a Warriors fan, I can still play it and get a little bit of enjoyment out of it, but then I play too long and it just reminds me of how good the other games are and I get sad. So <laughs> uh, moving on, I have also been playing The Sinking City lately. And you probably haven't played that because that's definitely a horror game or horror adjacent, I should say. Okay. It's yeah, a, it's say, a Cthulhu I haven't even game. heard of this one. Yeah. Oh, okay. The Sinking City is about a detective in Boston who, while in the war, he got stranded on this island and went insane, probably because he saw some Cthulhu bullshit. And then he right. was healed in the hospital and released. And ever since then, he, he actually can tap into mind power to see like beyond the veil basically which helps him solve cases and he's also having like these really debilitating psychotic episodes where he sees like images of like large sea monsters coming after him you know all that and he realizes that other people are having those visions too and a lot of them end up in this town called oakmont and then they die or disappear 
And Oakmont is not even on the map. It's like a fake town that they put in Massachusetts. It was recently hit by a flood, so it's been devastated. And it's got a lot of, like, actual characters you would read in, like, H.P. Lovecraft novels. People who kind of look fish-like in appearance, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it has some combat, which isn't very Lovecraft-like, because usually you can't fight the horrors so much. But it does add some spice to the gameplay, and the monster design is surprisingly good, even if there's, you know, not a ton of variations of monsters. But the real meat and potatoes for me is the detective game that's that is at play here. You are able to go into like, you know, crime scenes or areas of investigation and piece together clues. And then, you you know, using your power, you can like walk through and kind of watch the sequence of events and get clues to go to your next thing. And it really feels like an investigation because you may get a small tidbit like, oh, I don't know, you know, who would captain the ship or where they were at. I know that they put out an advertisement and that's all they'll say. Right. So then you head over to the newspaper and you check their archives and you look like the time period after the flood, Grimhaven Bay advertisements, and then you find something. Right. Um, they'll go, oh, I don't know. I think they were somewhere in Northern Advent, um, you know, near this corner. They'll tell you like not addresses, but like locations and streets. And you can put pins in your map and head there and mm, okay. do more investigating. So they, they pull enough away. There's no like automatic waypoints or telling you where to go or holding your hand. And the more evidence you collect, the easier it is to piece together a picture and figure out what to do next. Okay. And I, I've already beaten the game on PS4, but they, it was on sale on Switch for twelve ninety nine, and it included two whole DLC packs, including one that's that's exclusive to the Switch that I never played, uh, oh, where wow. you can go like find the Necronomicon and some other weird shit. But... Oh, nice! <laughs> and yeah, I even fought a unique uh, boss monster that I hadn't seen in my previous playthrough. It was really fun. Um, Does it play well on the Switch? <sighs> The game itself is, it feels kind of like a focus interactive game, if that makes any sense to you. It's its like a B-tier kind of janky game that has really good gameplay elements and design, but there's frame rate drops, there's screen tearing, there, there are weird AI behaviors. It never crashes and it never like breaks the game, but there's definitely some jank to it. And it's the same amount of jank I saw on the PS4, so it runs just as well on the PS4. Loading might take slightly longer, but it's not obnoxious. The initial load of the world takes a bit, but after that, it's it's not so bad. If you don't mind graphics so much, and honestly, a little jankiness and weirdness kind of, I feel like, adds to a horror game, especially one about madness and psychotic episodes, in a way. Was that a uh, glitch, or was that just me? <laughs> <laughs> or was that just my insanity and you do have an insanity meter if you look like say you're at a crime scene and you see somebody who's been stabbed to death as soon as you look at it your insanity meter like your sanity meter will drop right sure yeah and if it drops far enough you'll start to see visions and then you'll start to get attacked by like monsters or tentacles or different stuff and you can actually almost you can actually try to like unalive yourself if you're not careful like you know there'll be weird animations where you do stuff so you have like uh, these psychotics that you can inject yourself with to kind of get your sanity back up or if you just look away or get to a spot away from monsters or dead bodies or anything and just hang out it'll kind of naturally replenish so that i mean when you have a, a monster encounter you want to finish it quickly because if you don't, if they don't kill you, they may drive you mad and that'll kill you, right? Right, yeah. Um, and then if you're investigating, you know, using your power to uncover like hidden walls or secrets or like rituals, that also can take a toll on your sanity. So if you go too quickly or kind of blast through, you can end up 
being in a real pickle. You know what I mean? Uh, so it, it encourages you to take your time and encourages you to read, you know, like a lot of games, you pick up articles and books, you don't read that shit. You just put it in your inventory and you keep it moving. It encourages you to read everything. And the writing is actually surprisingly good and, and, and very dark in some parts. Some of the side cases that I've done reading about the people who have been affected by the madness and different things that they've done. It feels very much like reading one of Lovecraft's books. You know what I mean? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can dig that. So yeah, I, I'd recommend it for anybody who hasn't played it yet. Frogwares is the developer, and they're the ones that put it on the Switch. They had a tiff with their publisher about the rights, so it's been taken down from digital stores and put back up and taken down again for PS4 and Xbox and PC. But the Switch oh. version is definitely staying up, the digital one. You don't have to worry <laughs> well, about good. that, at least. That's good. <laughs> the last thing that I've been playing, I've been playing for the last six weeks, is Ring Fit Adventures. I've been like on a on a fitness journey with Ring Fit Adventures and the last episode folks may recall I I hurt I injured my back. <laughs> and I'm not really sure which exercise did it, but luckily I did recover after a few days and I was able to exercise again. It sucked for a while though. And I got back into it and unlike last week where I only lost a few ounces instead of pounds, I actually lost 5 pounds uh the past 2 weeks. So That's awesome. I'm a 212 now. Yeah, I'm a 212. I'm, I'm making progress. I'm really getting into this game. Do you know anything about Ring Fit? It's a Switch game, right? Just mm-hmm. using the motion controls and stuff with the little kind of steering wheel looking guy? Yeah, so the the round wheel that you put one of the Joy-Cons on is actually um, like a stress. Oh, like a tension? Yeah, like a tension wheel. So when you push it in, it works muscles. And then when you pull it out... Like there's like, you know, like bow exercises. Right, it okay, actually yeah. does Pilates, yoga, and then regular like calisthenics and strength exercises. Oh, well. And there's also a leg strap. So the way that it measure, it can measure you running. It can measure planks. It can measure, um, you know, like stretching and moving things up over your head. And then like, you know, pushing in, pulling out, like holding it down this way uh, above your head. So are you using with the leg strap and the wheel at the same time? Are you using both Joy-Cons? Yeah, yeah, you are. There are some exercises that don't require the wheel, like say if you were doing a plank, obviously, but the leg strap can sense that, you know, you're doing the motion. Sure. And the, and the same thing with yoga, like the yoga definitely helps you like balance your, your arms and stuff, but like the definite, the position of your body, it just depends on the exercise. It starts off kind of slow. And I've talked about this before where it kind of eases you in because there is a story, like if you play the story mode for exercising. And it kind of feels like it starts and stops too much. But once you get into the game proper, like it really takes off and you got stat boosting equipment and you fight enemies and the attacks are aligned by color. So arm arm exercises are red, abs and back are yellow, legs are blue, and yoga is green. And okay. enemies are color coded so you know that you'll do extra damage to them if you do certain types of attacks. So that's how it encourages you to switch up attacks. Uh, It'll okay. tell you like which areas of the body they recommend so you can adjust like your suite of exercises that are basically you know like your magic spells so to speak and you defeat enemies and bosses with exercise power <laughs> um and it's it's honestly a lot of fun they have mini games that use the motion and the wheel in like different and interesting ways you know what i mean that help you exercise i was like rowing through a river today and i was like doing like an ab press with the ring and then like twisting and then I had to like squat and ab press and twist to get under like, you know, like low hanging caverns and stuff. And it 
it works areas that you don't think you have after a while. So I've never done Pilates, but I feel like I'm really, am getting like a full body. And there are some days where like, I need a day or two to rest because the exercise sure. is so intense. And then there are sometimes some, you know, levels I go through where I'm like, ah, I could do this a couple days in a row. You know what I mean? But I haven't been like worrying about, you know, having to do it for a certain amount of time or get to a certain point. I've just been so exercising just until I get tired. And, play. Yeah. And then when you're done, you're done. Well, that's nice. Do you uh, do you need a lot of room? Uh, you may have answered this before in the last one, but not a ton. You need about as much room as you would normally need to do burpees. Okay, because so you just know enough room to lay down and get up. Yeah, basically. I mean, they they tell you to you know like clear the space around you, but it's not like you need to like step to the left and the right really fast or do any aerobics. It's more just about leg like thigh presses like put the wheel in between your legs or planks mm. or you know presses like you know standing and sitting exercises and that's really it oh well that's cool yeah yeah that's great so i don't think you need a ton of room for it i mean it helps but i don't think it's required at all sure are there other ring fit games or is it just ring fit adventure so far it's just ring fit adventures there are other areas where the leg strap works that you probably heard about like with the new switch sports that yeah you can use a leg strap for some of those games but i haven't seen any other games take advantage of the wheel they have like i said they have mini games they also have rhythm games and they even have some splatoon zelda and mario music that you can use in the rhythm game in addition to the music from ring fit taking advantage of that nintendo license yeah, and the way that the rhythm games work, pushing in, pulling out, twisting and doing the same, and also squats, so different combinations of that as the notes come down, and it, it'll it get you going, for sure. Oh, like, I you'll bet, break a yeah, sweat. I bet. <laughs> All right, well, I think it's, we've, we've uh, delayed long enough. It's time to get to the main event, Outriders. Say, is it Outriders time? It's Outriders time. Oh, man. So excited. Well, let's get started. All right, so I'm going to catch people up story-wise as far as where we're at. The last time I had mentioned that we were set on this quest to find the scientist Zahidi as he was trying to trace the source of the mysterious signal originating from the other side of the anomaly. We need to get to the other side of the anomaly. And we're going through all kinds of adventures and fighting lots of uh, you know enemies and stuff. But we, we run into this forest and we meet this scientist and some survivors that actually are living out here in this forest that have figured out a way to stop the sickness caused by the anomaly. Cause not everybody affected by the anomaly turns into an altered, like the main character. Some of them just cough up black goo and die. Right. Right. Well, and I think some of them even turn out to be half altered. It seems like they're not like full on superpowers like our guy, but like have mm-hmm. some sort of, you know, minor abilities. Yeah, there's definitely a gradient, and it seems like the main character is uniquely positioned to be really, really powerful. And, I mean, so far, from what I've seen, we don't have any psychotic breaks, and we're not physically maimed by it. Right, like yeah, we look we look normal. Character. I don't know what's with, with Seth. I don't know what his deal, <laughs> why he looks so scabby. Yeah. I don't like it. Glad we don't. Yeah, a lot of the powerful altered Seth, Moloch, they look jacked up. They look like they've been through. They look like they ran into a bunch of Cenobites and had a time. <laughs> yeah, and then and then afterwards they refuse to speak with while moving their mouth. No, they will only speak to you with their mind. Unless you earn their respect, then they might open their mouth. 
Right, yeah. If you if you press them a little bit, they might be out of breath. They might they might forget that they have to talk with their heads. <laughs> um, I do enjoy the boss fights with the altered. I think that's a highlight of the game. Oh, for sure. But yeah, we we find out, and you know, we're gonna get into a slight spoiler. So if you haven't gotten to the point that I mentioned last episode, then skip to the next part. We'll just talk about the gameplay. But that that scientist who found the cure, cool. And they're all like, why don't you share the cure with other people? And they're like, oh, you know, well, they might attack us. The real reason, the cure uses pieces of people. People. (laughs) It's people, Stu. It's people. They have to kill people and take their bone marrow or something? I I think, yeah, their bone marrow, I think, is what I was, yeah. Yeah. Hard to extract without murdering somebody, apparently. Hard to extract. I guess, you know, I mean, you could do that nowadays, but maybe not on some sort of hostile alien planet. Yeah, as uh well an amazon treehouse science lab <laughs> you know yeah so i mean naturally we can't let that go on so we stop him and then we find that a local humanoid alien from the planet was being kept in by him and experimented on and the alien exhibits a lot of traits of altered as far as like their their powers and ability to interact with the energy of the planet so to speak right I'm going to call you out for being problematic and saying that he's an alien or that we're on his home. <laughs> we are the aliens. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that L. No. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's got his name's August yeah. or what Her they've name? named him. Her name, his name. Did, I, don't I, know. I think they specifically do not. They gender don't gender this person. August. So we'll, we'll say there for now. Just their to be safe. name. <laughs> August is the closest approximation to English of what, they say yeah their names their name is and uh yeah is a skinny kind of altered ish i mean it looks like an alien you you've seen yeah. an alien before an alien it's not it's nothing crazy no no the, the design i think the most striking feature of august is probably all of the scars and cuts on them from the experimentation i assume I don't think right, yeah, I gotta assume that he's been tortured or yeah. something by those people. They also barely speak, but whenever somebody calls them August, they are sure to correct them, I feel like. I don't know if that's true or not, but whenever you say their name, they say it back. You're like, August, August. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, almost yeah. like, um, excuse me, it's August. Thank you. <laughs> you can say it. You can say it. Almost there. We're interacting with obelisks and finding out that we too can interact with the ancient ruins of the world like August. And August does this weird ritual with this shard that one of the people in our crew takes and they get cut with and it temporarily gives them altered powers and then we have a boss fight with them. Yeah, something something about that shard that August was messing with, I guess, has got some sort of power of the storm that zaps all the electricity on the planet. Sure. Um, yeah, the reason why we don't have internet, yeah, which is rough. Yeah, right. Everybody went crazy without internet, man, let me tell you. Um, the only other thing that I think really developed in a major way was prior to kind of going from hazardous environment to hazardous environment, Jacob asks us to save this girl named Shannon, who is like a daughter to him, and she has these psychic visions. And one of the visions she has is of the main character and her and a few others in this kind of paradise on the planet. So it kind of further drives home, we're going to find that paradise if we just can get past the anomaly, right? 
right up until the uh, mission retaliation, we're getting really close to getting the other side of that anomaly. You and I actually kind of accidentally played past that, but we won't talk about it now. <laughs> I would say we didn't we didn't get too far past. We didn't get too far past before I was like, oh wait a second, we're at the cutoff. So we will finish the game in the next two weeks and we'll talk about it. If if you're available, you're definitely welcome to come through. I think Nerdy might come through too. We've been playing with Nerdy as well. Oh yeah, he needs to get on here. Yeah, for sure. Nerdy the Sensei will probably have a few things to say about it, I imagine. And we'll we'll see how it goes. I will say, last episode, when I was talking about it for the first time, I wasn't super hot on it, but I have really turned around. I, I mentioned that it was just very difficult to play solo, but I've really kind of come into the build of my character and figured out how to utilize them well, and I feel like there's a lot of stuff I can handle. There's definitely fights that... There's a fight that we did was kind of past where we were supposed to go, where we got mobbed on all sides, and I was like, this would have been terrible to do by myself so i was glad yeah uh, a lot of the first kind of third of the game i would say when you're just getting started when you don't have too many of your character skills all the unique Mm -hmm. sort of unlocks and abilities Mm -hmm. it kind of makes it tight you i mean you're you're basically playing a, a cover shooter at that point you're not you're not doing a whole lot as far as you know cool things and abilities and stuff and you're not right I mean, you've got some abilities, but you're not chaining them together with other things and you're not doing this and that. That kind of makes the game more enjoyable in in the later two thirds of the game where you are essentially some sort of altered god that can run around and call down lightning from the skies to shock your enemies and turn them to ash and this and that. Yeah. So I, once you get those, it really it really makes it a lot a lot more easy to play by yourself. Not only that, but once you really get going with collecting loot, because there's not like an endless random Borderlands level amount of loot, which I kind of like. There's a set amount of, you know, like your base green level weapons and then your slightly more rare blue weapons, then your purples, and then finally your legendaries, which are orange. And for each, you know, equipment type and gun type or weapon type, you have a set amount. And there's also a set amount of mods or alterations, and the the more rare the equipment, the more mods they can hold, right? Right, and you know, and I I don't want to say it's a small amount either. It's it's a good amount. I mean, it's a finite amount. Yeah, but it's it finite is, and it's gonna. Yeah, I would agree with that. It it's not daunting. Like you feel like you you can no. play it maybe a little bit past finishing it and actually get all the equipment if you want. Like make that a goal. I just like that it's attainable and achievable. It doesn't go on forever, you know? I think one thing I like is it kind of separates the mods out into tiers. And so you yes. can see which kind of, it kind of shows you, it's like, oh, you know, tier three, tier three stuff's going to be pretty cool, probably better than yeah. the stuff in tier two and one. And, and they're kind of themed. So the tier one mods mainly focus on augmenting your powers. Right. Yeah. Especially for the armor. Yeah. Yeah, and tier two seems to augment or add different stuff like, you know, like statuses and behaviors to your equipment and your and your weapons. So, you mean, I don't have access naturally to any abilities that set enemies on fire, but I could put fire bullets onto my gun, right? And right. In addition to the power I have to imbue the gun with toxic and vulnerability 
fire along with that, right? And then you can synergize. It's so easy, even if you're not trying to stumble onto a good synergy with the mods, your powers, and your equipment, you know? And the fact that once you meet Zahidi, he will actually start to let you kind of remod as much as you want. And you spend resources, but honestly, those resources start to become extremely plentiful if you stop selling your equipment for money and you start just dismantling it. I recommend everybody just dismantle your shit. I say I I have only really ever dismantled my stuff and I've mm-hmm. I'm so full up on materials that I could probably modify my weapons as many times as I don't I don't even worry about it. Yeah, yeah. So if you find a piece of equipment that's slightly better, you have the mod materials to just put the mods that you like onto that weapon. Or if it's slightly lower level, you could even level it up if you want. So I have a few legendaries that I've gotten that I've just been, I kept, I keep upping the level to the max that I'm allowed for my level and going in and using certain shards to like up its stats. So that way it keeps the pace as we go through the game. And I still have access to, you know, like it's unique mods and stuff. Right. And right. that's neat. And the best part is, and I know this isn't unique nowadays, but it's just such a good decision that they made. I love that you can transmogrify or what's the word that is popular nowadays to like change the look. I think transmog is the right word. I think that's, or, you know, you get, you get to apply your cosmetics to whatever gear that you have. Yeah. So if you've held a particular piece of gear at any time, even if you dismantle or sell it, you now have the ability to make any gear of a similar type so any helmet look like the helmet you want and you can eventually the game tells you when you have a set like a full complete set of of equipment and same thing with your weapons if you want to do certain weapon skins and i love that because obviously i'm wearing equipment like some legendary some regular it's all mishmash and it doesn't really look that great but a quick skip over to the customization a button press boom i'm just dipped and buttered and ready to go I'm dripped out, baby. It's super easy to do that. And most of the stuff you can kind of mix and match with other stuff to make it look good, too. Um, if you want, Some yeah, of it obviously true. doesn't. But, you know, I mean, a lot of it just looks great. And I, one thing I will say is that in the past I played this game, made a character, played a little bit through it, stopped. But at some point during that playthrough, I had gotten a couple of legendary items. Mm-hmm. When I made my new character... The cosmetics from those items that I got on that other character were still unlocked on my new character. What about the mods that you unlocked from dismantling? Did you have access to those as well? No. Okay. So they allow you the cosmetics, but not the advantage of having mods you normally wouldn't have access to. That's right, fair. yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and so it, it actually makes finding loot fun because you get notification if you get a new schematic for like a new look. And you can see on your equipment if you're going to choose like a quest reward if there's a mod that you haven't dismantled and gotten access to yet. Right, yeah, because sometimes when you finish a quest, it's going to give you something that you're not going to be able to, Mm. you know, it's going to be lower power. It's not going to be that much better than what you have, but Mm. it may have a mod that you like and you can just, oh, well, I'll pick that one, delete it immediately, but I'll get the mod, get the customization appearance, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. So even if you don't use the weapon itself, it's still useful. Exactly. And I think that's genius because it's not just, ooh, can I use this equipment? It's, okay, can I use this equipment? No. Can I get a new schematic from it? Maybe. 
oh, look, there's a new mod. I'll pick that one. Like there's, there's three different things you can look for and be excited about aside from just the, the increase in power. I love oh yeah. That. I mean, I love that kind of stuff whenever they do that in any game. It's, it's, you know, those quality of life things that it's, it doesn't really affect anything, but it really just kind of makes you make your character your own. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. So one more thing I want to mention about this game. We've been heaping a bit of praise on it. There's one thing that I absolutely hate. I know you know what I'm going to say. Oh, I know, I know what it. you're going to say. I hate the map. The map. System oh, the so map. Much. The map does not show you where you are on it. And sometimes, uh, actually often, the game will glitch and not like there's like this button you can press to path to your next objective. It won't go there correctly. Sometimes butting up with other people like mess it up. There's no compass. The Yeah, the mini map doesn't have a compass. So you, even if you even if, you know, you pull up the map on your pause screen, it's oriented north. That's cool. It'd be helpful if you could figure out which way was north on your mini map, though. Yeah, because it's so zoomed in that you can't even tell from geography. No, there's the no way. No. Uh -uh. So there, I mean, there are a myriad of ways they could have fixed this. One would have been a compass. The other would have just like have a little arrow on the map that shows where you are and which way you're facing. I'd have been fine with either of those. The pathfinding tool that's in it, it it's what it is, is some sort of pathfinding tool. It's uh, you press up on the D-pad and it shoots out a little line that directs mm. you to wherever to wherever it thinks the next quest objective is. Mm -hmm. Now, this honestly probably would be fine in and of itself if it worked. And even if it did work, which it does sometimes, it still wouldn't tell you because the, the map will tell you, okay, there's a, here's a available quest that you could pick up, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because you start to get bounties, which are cool. They're like tough altered boss fights and you could turn yeah. them in for equipment. That's awesome. You get the hunts where like there's tough beasts that you can fight. Go fight some, in. yeah, some Love native that. scary monsters. And then there are just regular side quests, and you know they're somewhere on the map. But again, you have you just have to wander until you find them because you can't really orient yourself for that. You know. Well, when you hopped on to play with me the other night, we were at that quest point where we had to go and find three different obelisks mm -hmm. to you know figure out how they how our altered character interacted with them and i had to what i had to interact with these three obelisks five different times before it yeah sent me back to finish the quest i was in the middle of the quest and somehow my progression fucked your progression up and we had to like start over it sucked yeah it was very very inconvenient and and at one point we couldn't figure out where I needed to go. Yeah. <laughs> we we had the 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 map was telling me that I had to go touch an obelisk. Mm -hmm. Michael, your thing was saying that you needed to go talk to Zahidi. I know. <laughs> I you know I was pretty sure that I needed to go somewhere else, and mm. it, we eventually I think we just stopped and came back to that at some later point, and it finally was after we had completely left the area. Yeah, I probably even went to the lobby at some point, loaded it back in. Yeah. It finally worked. But, you know, it's it's yeah, the map system is tragic. Yeah. So that holds it back a bit. But overall, I'm still having a ton of fun. Definitely recommend it for anybody who has access to Game Pass. And honestly, oh, yeah, it's know. it's it's, you know, I mean, the story's not anything super special, but I mean, it's uh, it's got some pretty crude, dumb silly humor that i just i have been really enjoying 
you know, the, the humor can be good at times and it definitely has a couple of side missions that are goofy out of nowhere, like um, the Outriders Legacy. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, that was a fun cutscene. So, yeah, I mean, the story... It's and, got a sense of humor. It has a sense of humor and it definitely does a lot of references. Not as much as other games, but more than you would think. And I think it's it's probably one of the aspects that's a little underbaked. I feel like if they had more time... They probably could have really fleshed out the story more and had cutscenes and things, but they were so focused, I think, on the multiplayer and the gameplay, which is rock solid. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, you you get the sense that this game could have cooked a little longer and been even better. You know what I mean? And eh, it's too bad, but it's still great for what it is. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, for not for it not being a live service game, kind of like Destiny, I think it's you know a really really solid multiplayer experience to be able to pick up and go at any point you know you're not going to be missing anything you're not going to be you know i mean i haven't played this game in six months but i know that pretty much is everything the same you know i if i went back to destiny after six months of playing i'm it might be a whole new subclass a whole new energy type or something like that that you have to learn but you know for this it's for the most part unchanged yeah exactly all right, uh, so I think that'll about cover it for Outriders this week. Definitely join us in two weeks for the finale where we talk about finishing the game and how that went. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to give it up for our sponsor. We'll be right back after this. All right, and we're back. What a lovely ad that was. Totally listen to it, you bet. Oh, going to buy one of those. <laughs> going to buy ourselves an anchor. Tim, I really appreciate you coming through. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk games with me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, man. I had a lot of fun as well. Awesome. Awesome. And I know we'll have you back in the future. Do you have any parting words for the listeners out there? Well, I'm not a man that has to plug anything, but I am a librarian. And I will say that you should go and support your local libraries. You know, make a donation to them or just check something out. They're a very important part of our society. Completely agree. And you can do some cool shit at the library. If you haven't been there in oh, a while, man. you can rent Libraries games. Libraries are TVs, so cool. Movies, man, I got books. I got 3D printers in my library. 3D printers, y'all. Come on. Yeah. 3D printers? Yeah, just got some 3D printers in here. Got Sometimes some they computers. have coffee. I oh, do not have coffee. You guys don't have coffee uh, ears. Okay. But that's, uh, we, have a, we have actually an old-time soda fountain that's just in the same building. They do like the whole, like, they'll make you a phosphate with like... The actual syrup and stuff like that. and Even better than sweet. coffee. Even better. So. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, folks, don't forget, we upload new episodes to our hub at anchor.fm slash player2 is here in the pod every single Friday. Look forward to the next episode where we're doing gaming news once again with special guest Emperor Remuel. And also don't forget that we have social media. So check the link tree in the description. Join the Discord. Okay? I'm on there. The gamer friends are on there. Tim is on there. The backlog is on there. We are hanging out. I just out. pointed at myself like you could see me. <laughs> I could. <laughs> but we're all on there. We're hanging out. We're talking games. We're having a good time. And you should definitely join us. Also, don't forget to listen to Gamer Friends. Likely it's out now or it will be in the next couple of days. So definitely I was going to say it's not out. out right now, but. So, yeah. Well, not not as the time of recording. I'm just. Oh saying, yeah, not yeah. not as the time of recording. The, yeah. the time knows, of release. Boys Maybe. Out. I I keep on a, a Friday schedule, which I will keep up as long as I can. Some someday something's going to happen, and it's not going to allow me to do it. The gamer friends, they come at you. 
They come at you on the weekend. They come at you at the end of the week. You never know. It might be a Monday. Oh, man. They, they got to take you by surprise. Yeah. When it drops, it's like Christmas. Look forward to that. All right. I think I think that's a show. That's a show. Yeah. Once again, for coming through, Tim. Appreciate you. And for the listeners out there, thank you for coming out and listening to us. We appreciate you. We love you. We hope to see you next week. Take care.